Well, I am glad that you're here as we pick up in the second week of our uh, series that we're calling Poured Out. Uh, we are talking about the abundant, extravagant generosity of God, that he pours his grace and his blessings out on us. And when we let those blessings truly fill our lives up, we begin to kind of overflow that out. Like we start to be the people who are able to pour out what God has been pouring into us. And uh, before we get too far into this, I always know, anytime I say the word generosity or you hear a preacher say the word generosity, people start to, to wonder um, if, you know, we're going to pass plates and all that stuff. But the generosity of God and the generosity of Christians is so much more than the financial aspect of our lives. Yes, it should include that, absolutely. But we should be generous with forgiveness. We should be uh, quick to offer grace and slow to condemn. We should be ra- we, uh, over the top excited to encourage people and lift people up, build them up as they go about their day. Uh, we should handle the things, the possessions in our life in an open-handed manner so that if somebody comes up in front of us and needs something, we just take delight in being able to meet that need rather than keep it for ourselves. And God's idea of pouring out Generosity, grace, blessing. It it encompasses every category of our lives. It should be reflected in every aspect of who we are. Now, it is really hard for us to wrap our minds around the extreme wealth and generosity of God. Like, it's so big, like, we almost don't even have a category to understand all of the different ways that he blesses us. Um, Like... uh, we talked in, in depth last week about the idea that um, our lives start to be changed by that grace of God, you know, um, and how when we have been so touched by his grace and we appreciate what he's done for us, it leads us to be changed and shaped into a person who wants to live like him. And there's this really huge danger that we get those backwards. Um, it's one of the biggest confusing parts about people understanding the gospel today is that they think rather than being changed by God and loved by God first, and then that leading to us living a life where we want to be a person who reflects God's love. We think, I got to do the good things first, and then God will love me. And that's a, a huge, giant mess. And, and when we get that backwards, it throws off our entire relationship with God, and it throws off our ability to truly love the way he calls us to love. And so, um, like I said, though, like, as today, we're going to talk about the generosity of God and look at like just the size of that. But if you missed last week, because we got to understand, like, you got to understand, like, our generosity comes after we've been shown His generosity. And if you missed that, I would really encourage you to go. You can find it on our website. You can go to Facebook, our Facebook page. You can go to YouTube, wherever. If you're watching it online, wherever you're watching it now, you can go back and, and watch the whole service if you would like to. Um, but we've got to get that backwards. In fact, that's why I started with the week one because. It messes up so many people's relationship with God and leads them to live not a life of joy and, and abundance, but of guilt and shame and fear and all of that. Um, now, I do want to talk about the absolute ridiculous generosity of God, and it's, like I said, it's so big we don't see it anymore. Um, you have been so blessed, I have been so blessed, it's such, so consistent that we don't see it anymore. Um, and trying to tell us that we've been blessed by God is kind of like trying to explain to a fish that it's wet. Like, fish don't get it. Like, I don't think, not that their brains are even big enough to understand it, but if you could get a fish and have a conversation with it, you'd be like, hey, you're wet. And you'd be like, no, I'm 
fish. I'm just doing what I do. I just go about every day, right? That's kind of how we were. We are swimming in God's blessings to the point where we don't even notice how blessed we are. Um, our whole life is just We've been on the receiving end of what God has been pouring out. And so um, to help us kind of get our brains around the size of God's wealth and generosity, um, we're going to look at like a human example of extreme wealth um, and generosity um, by looking at like, again, a human example of like what's the top tier of humanity reaches when it turns to having a lot. Um, the biggest example today, kind of a controversial figure, but we're not going to get into that side of things, but it's Elon Musk. Richest man in the world by a lot. Like, you know, it used to be, I remember like when I was a kid, Bill Gates had always been the richest person ever. And he's been a richest person ever for a good part of, my, part of my adulthood. But there was always like a few other rich people that like, depending on how the selling of certain companies and stocks went, like it was, he, he'd fall into second place and he'd be back on top. And like Elon Musk, he's like starting to lap people. He's got so much, okay? Um, just to give you an idea, by himself, he is the 49th rich, richest nation on the planet. Like, you've got, that's a lot. Um, if you figured that his wealth would grow at, let's say, 6% a year, which it's growing way more than that, but let's just say, like, normal interest rate growth kind of investment stuff, if he only grew at 6% a, a year, or, yeah, 6% a year, um, that means that every second of his day earns him $425.99 which means it is literally not worth it for him to stop and pick up a $100 bill off the ground, which is fine. He can leave him for the rest of us, right? He doesn't seem to be needing it. Um, he's 51 years old. Let's say he lives until he's 90. If he wanted to stop making money right now and spend every bit of money that he had, he would have to spend over $15.9 million a day. How many of you think you could spend $15.9 million in a day? How many of you would like the chance to try? Like, I don't know if I could, but I'd give it a good shot, right? Yeah. Um, if he gave a $10 bill to every single person on the planet, he'd still have $154 billion. So he might as well give us 20 then while he's at it, I guess. Um, in 2021, so just last year, he donated $5.7 billion of his Tesla stock to charity, which means... His generosity just last year is more than the combined wealth of everyone in this room and probably everyone who's ever stepped foot in Loami Christian Church since it was founded in 1892. Like, that's a lot to give away. He gives away more than any of us could ever imagine having. But again, as I said, his generosity... Though he might be richer than Bill Gates now, how much he gives away is nothing compared to what Bill Gates gives away. It is estimated that he's given away somewhere between 26 and $28 billion to charity. Um, but even if you use those two people who are, again, insanely rich, even if you use them as the example, those guys who have given away more money than we will ever even understand having, because by the way, um, a billion is a thousand million. Elon Musk has 200,000 million dollars. I can't, like my brain doesn't fit that. Like I don't have a category, right? So even though we don't really understand this ridiculous wealth, if you compare these two men to God, they look like both beggars and hoarders. They look like beggars because what they have is nothing in comparison to the wealth of God, and they look like hoarders because what they give away is nothing compared to the generosity of our amazing creator, which does kind of want me to ask the question, okay? 
how much does God have? Okay, we know we can put in numbers what people have, but how much does God have? Like, what exactly? Like, people have billions of dollars, but how much, what does God have exactly? Well, in the book of Colossians, which is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to a Roman church in the village of the city of Colossae, he explains this for us in chapter 1, verse 16. He says, for by him, talking about God, but specifically talking about Jesus, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So God made the known universe, the unknown stuff. I love that, like, the visible and the invisible, like the, the heaven and earth. The heaven is the, the God space, the spiritual stuff that we can't touch, that we can't get to just yet, that um, there's no scientific instrument that can measure it or study it. So God made the stuff that we can feel and all the stuff that we don't even have a category for. And um, when you think just about just our universe, do you understand the size of our universe, as hard as it is to comprehend someone having a billion dollars, it is so much more difficult to comprehend the size of our universe. Uh, has anybody been tracking the, the James Webb telescope stuff, the launch of that thing? Okay, nerd, I'm the only one in the building. Anyway, okay, prepare for your science lesson. Anyway, they just launched this awesome new telescope that is um, head and shoulders above the Hubble telescope, which has been the gold standard for pictures of space for my whole life, right? Okay, so here's a cool picture, right? It is, this is two galaxies colliding, okay, galaxies, which have thousands of stars and millions of planets probably in each one, and they are colliding together, merging over time. All right, now, what's awesome is I look at this picture, and I'm like, that is pretty, it is very cool, I like that a whole lot, um, but what is fascinating is you see all the stars in the background? Well, when you zoom in, what you start to notice is those aren't stars. Those are galaxies too. Like those little dots that, that are in the background of this picture that are almost infinitesimal. You almost want to write them off. You look at those and there's, you can see all these swirling other galaxies. Thousands of galaxies with thousands of their own stars with millions of planets surrounding them. Like... Anytime you feel like you are a big deal, realize you are floating on a speck of dust around a really unremarkable, rather small little star at the far edge of one galaxy. One. And then there's one, two, three, four, five. I mean, that's, and that's one little glimpse of one picture. There's other galaxies. And what's really crazy is the stuff that we can picture is a small, tiny fragment of what the universe really is. Like, this is just what we can see, not the stuff that's far beyond our vision. The sheer size of what God has made is absolutely unfathomable. But what also blows my mind is not when you go really big, but also when you go really small. Maybe you didn't know this, but there are more cells in your body than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Like, isn't that wild. There's more cells in your body than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And then if you zoom down even farther and you think of the atoms in your body that make up those chemicals and cells that make up who you are, you have more atoms in your body than there are stars in the universe. Like, so whether you go big or you go small, I, it just blows my mind the complexity and the size of what God has created and the beauty. Now, this is not 
an exceptional idea, really, that you would come to church and hear somebody say that, hey, God made all the stuff. Like, that's a pretty basic Christian value. But there is an idea of what it, of, of what it means that God made all the stuff that we sometimes are, um, we just overlook it, I guess. It's not that we're eager to overlook it. It's just that we don't think about it. Um, Psalm 24, though, spells it out really clearly. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. What it's saying is, God owns everything. He made it, it's his. Creator equals owner. And that's also not a radical idea. We, th- we think about that in our own lives. You make something, you want it to be yours, you want to have the right to do with it what you wish. Um, there's people who are artists, craftsmen, that understand I made it, it's mine. Um, what, there's, I've told this story a time or two, and you maybe will remember the picture, but it never it tickles me every time I think about it. Um, a few years ago, there was a photographer who was uh, venturing out into the jungle to get some pictures of wildlife, and there were some, let's see if I can say it, crested macaques, which are monkeys, and he, they were kind of getting close, and so he thought, I'm just going to step back and see what they do. Left his camera sitting there on a little tripod, and one of these monkeys came up and took a selfie with his camera equipment. <laughs> right? I, such a good, I mean, if you explain that situation, you couldn't have thought of a better picture. Like, I, it looks like he's got a big old cheesy grin. It looks like he's had his picture taken millions of times. Like, I don't know, it's funny. Like, you know when you have, uh, take pictures of your kids, like, it doesn't take them very long before they'll be, like, fighting and you're, like, smiling. And they're, like, and then they, like, go back at it. Like, it looks like he just knew what to do. I absolutely think that's great, okay? Well, this photographer, thrilled with this picture, goes, puts it on his website with the story of how it happened, right? And then not too long after that, Wikipedia takes his picture and puts it on their website. And he's like, whoa, that's my picture. You can't take my picture. It's mine. I own it. You have stolen my work, and you're using it against my will. Um, but turns out U.S. copyright law says that when it comes to photography, the person that pushed the button owns the picture. Okay? Doesn't matter whose camera it is. Doesn't matter who's in the picture. The person that clicked the button owns the picture. And U.S. copyright law also says that only humans can have copyrighted work that's protected by the law, which means this crested macaque can't have copyrighted pictures, which means it's free for anyone to use wherever they want to. And it's been a lot more complicated ongoing legal stuff than that. Um, But basically, the idea that you made it, it's yours. That's the way that our world kind of works. And that's what Psalms is telling us here, that God made everything. Everything is his. That means that everything that is in existence belongs to God. Everything that you claim to be yours is really God's. It has come into your possession through some manner of his generosity to you. The days of your life are a gift given to you from God. The motion of your heart that just sent another pulse of blood through your body, a gift from God. The ground upon which your house sits and the materials your house is made of were constructed really by God. The sun that gives energy, that grows the plants that we eat, or the plants that our food will eat, were made by God. That's how this works. Everything is given to us by God. And It's easy for us to want to bristle back at that because 
you've worked hard for some of the stuff that you have in your life. And you say, well, no, I worked pretty hard for that, okay? That stuff was mine. I, wor- I sweated for it. I worked for it. It took time and years of savings and all of that. And you want to, we have a pretty strong desire to claim the things that are ours. But then I would say, yeah, you did work hard for it with the body and the mind that God gave you. And you sweated and huffed with the energy that God gave you through the food that you eat, that he grew or fed through the energy from the sun. Uh, And you worked hard, huffing and puffing that breath that he allowed you to breathe. Um, You did your job with the talents and skills that he built into you when he made you in your mother's mother's womb. Um, You built... uh, the stuff that you did with the creativity that he built in you when he made you in his image. And on and on and on you can go as we talk about and this desire to claim things for our own. Even our ability to want to work hard, to provide for our family, that is given to us by our creator. God owns absolutely everything. We are just kind of passing through, having things given to us for a moment in our hands for the seconds that we are here. And so when we understand that God owns everything and everything we have is a gift by his generosity, that really starts to open your eyes a little bit to say, whoa, he is good to me every single day. He is giving to me every single day because there's not a thing in your life Not one thing in your life that has not been given to you directly or indirectly from God. The only thing that I ever accomplish all on my own in my life is stupidity (laughs) and pain and mistakes. And even that's the gift of choice that God has given me in free will. So even my ability to go off the rails is sometimes a gift from God. Now, I want to talk to you um, about the greatest gift, though, of all the things that God gives us. Because you can go outside and look and smell the beautiful, crisp fall air and um, go home and watch your favorite movie or enjoy your favorite meal, whatever. You can do all that stuff, but, and it's good. But the greatest thing that God ever gave us was in Jesus giving his own life for us. And honestly, it's easier for us to gloss over because we talk about Jesus all the time. We're always talking about Jesus. We're talking about him in communion. We talk about him in sermons. We sing songs about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. And it can all become a little bit uh, like white noise if we let it. Uh, like you can, if you have kids and you had a, you're used to being in a house of screaming kids, like at first it's annoying, but over time you don't hear it anymore. Like if you're a parent, at some point in your parenting, you stopped hearing the phrase mom or dad. You just stopped because you heard it so many times. Your brain just stopped registering it. Um, I started calling my mom Donna Bliss. She worked, um, she did fingernails um, my whole life growing up, and it was in our house. Her little shop was in our house. And there were so many women that were in our house all the time that either when I said mom, either no one looked at me or everyone looked at me. So I just, Donna Bliss, and that was usually pretty good. Um, but, um, but that, like, we talk about Jesus so much that if we're not careful, it can become the white noise for us that we don't hear it anymore. But, but what I want to show you is the greatest of God's generosity was shown in Jesus giving his life for us. Because what he did was he paid the penalty for our sins. He took the death sentence that you and I deserve so that we could stand before God, not as sinners deserving of death, but as forgiven and righteous and saved. And what's amazing about this is we understand the phrase. Like, we've even heard this, you know, for God so loved the world that he 
gave, right? And we understand that we say Jesus gave his life for us. But when we think through the story, it's easy for us to lose that idea that he gave, okay? Um, because we think, you know, Jesus was arrested and tortured, and we, we put all the, these bad guys grabbed him, and they beat him up, and they, they did all this stuff to him, and, you know, he was tied up and captured and led in chains and all that stuff. And we, we start to think of him kind of more as a prisoner in the story. Um, but that's not how Jesus saw things. In John chapter 10, verse 18, this is well before he goes to the cross, before he endures the pain of being beaten and flogged and all of that. Here's what he says. No one takes it from me, talking about his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Now, his disciples didn't get that at the time, but we have 2,000 years of hindsight on our side to understand that you know, he can, he's going to lay down his life, and he's going to take it right back up again. He says, this charge I have received from my father. So Jesus wasn't killed because the Roman Empire or some corrupt Jewish leaders were so powerful that they grabbed him in the dark. No, it wasn't mankind that took Jesus' life away. He gave his life for you and for me. He gladly, freely laid down his life in submission to do the will of God for our good and his glory. Um, You see evidence of this in the Garden of Gethsemane when they come to arrest him. And his disciples kind of freak out. And one story says that Peter pulls a sword and chops the ear off of one of the guards trying to arrest him, right? And Jesus just reaches down, takes that ear off the ground, and just puts it right back on. But like, healed. Like it sticks and it heals. Not just like, like it didn't just fall off again. Like, like he just puts it back on and it heals and it's perfectly there as if it wasn't cut off in the first place. And for that guy, like, I don't know how you go through with still arresting somebody after they like put your ear back on, but I don't know, that's a, that's a question I'll have for heaven, I guess, but Jesus looks at Peter and he says, don't you understand that I can like call out and have 12 legions of angels here to rescue me in a moment's notice if I want to, like don't you understand, Peter, they're not taking me, I'm giving my life away freely for the good of mankind, and if we believe what, we, what Paul wrote in Colossians, which we uh, read at the very beginning here, Um, Jesus created even the wood that he carried to be crucified on. Because it says that Jesus not only made all the things, but it says all things hold together in him. Meaning his creative work is, is continuing through. He's holding things together. He's causing our hearts to beat. He's causing our lungs to fill with air. He's causing the, the motion of our galaxy and the motion of life to carry on each and every day. Jesus even knew the tree when it was a sapling was going to be the one that he would die on. When he was hanged on the cross, people came by and they spit on him and they mocked him. Well, even the, uh, the muscles necessary to work up spit in your mouth and sling it forward at Jesus, Jesus made those. He made those guys. He gave them that ability to do that. He, their life was created by him and sustained by him. Jesus' life was not taken. It was freely given. Every time he was whipped, he chose to keep going. Every time they put a a nail through his wrists or through his feet, he chose to keep going. Uh, The pain as it overtook him and the life started to drain from his human body, he chose to keep going. And so, yes, we have all these other good things, life and breath and families and and people we love and, and jobs and houses and all of that stuff, but there is no greater gift than what 
Jesus gave to us on the cross, his life for the sacrifice of our sins. And so, as we talk about this through the remaining weeks of this series, um, we have to understand that if we're going to pour out generosity on people, truly like the generosity of God, we're going to be people that overflow with it. We've got to be people who first let ourselves be wowed by the over-the-top, amazing generosity of our God. That even when life is not going the way you want, even when things, certain things are, are falling apart, you have God's blessings in your life. But what's frustrating about humans is we are so, so almost determined to focus on things that are negative or bad, things that aren't going our way. And we're sitting here whining about this one thing that didn't go our way, when if we would just look up, we have an entire life full of God's blessings just flooding in upon us. And we're upset about this one thing that's not going our way. And we try to blame God, why didn't you do this one thing for me? And we pout like little kids who didn't get the toy they wanted when their mom and dad took them to Walmart. And it's so, uh, I want to say it's frustrating, but I'm the frustrating one. I do this all the time. It's, I'm just as guilty as anyone else. But if we truly want to be people who are generous the way God is generous, who, are, who have the kind of lives that when people see us, they say, wow, something is different about them. They are so kind, so generous. Their life just pours out all of this stuff. Then we have to be people who first acknowledge, recognize, and open our eyes to see the generosity of God, how lavishly and generously he has given uh, to us time and time again. And again, we won't be able to be those kinds of people until we do that. And it starts with us really starting to see, having our eyes opened and praising God for the blessings he's given us. Because if we don't appreciate God's generosity, we won't show God's generosity. I mean, you, might, you can still be kind and you can still be generous, don't get me wrong, but you won't be the kind of unstoppable, over-the-top generosity that, like God is until we've been wowed and filled up by it. And so if you uh, don't realize that you are more blessed than you ever know, if you don't stop and realize that you have less control over your life than you think and that your things aren't really your things, you're going to hold on to your things Rather than realizing God gave it to me as a moment to enjoy, to be blessed by, and I can just as easily pass it on to someone else so that they can be blessed by it because God's still going to keep blessing me. He's still going to pour out his goodness in my life. And so we've got to understand that if you're healthy, it's a gift from God. Yeah, you might have ate a few more salads than the rest of us along the way and made a few better choices along the way, but ultimately, it's a gift from God. If you have money, it's a gift from God. You say, no, I worked hard for it. Yeah, again, we can go back to what I said earlier. Yeah, you worked hard with the body and the muscles and the mind and all that stuff that God gave you. If you have a job, maybe you don't love it, but you have one and it allows you to keep the lights on and feed your family, that was built on, again, the gifts and the ability that God gave you. Every day with the people that you love is a gift from God. The people in this church that walk beside you every single Sunday and sometimes through the week, the people that hold you up and encourage you and, and you know, help you keep moving when you don't feel like you can keep moving, this is a blessing from God. He's given us to each other. You have to realize that you are blessed and that I am blessed. We, we will say that in passing, especially this time of year, you know, Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for, and we can come up with a few things. But it's amazing that it, we don't 
acknowledge the fact that we are floating, surrounded by God's grace every single day. So as you leave today, I want you to walk out, hopefully with a heart full of gratitude. I want you to look at what's going on around you and start trying to see everything as a blessing from God. As you walk out there and all the kids are running through and they almost knock you over, but you see they're having fun and they're full of joy and they have energy that you only wish you could have, think, man, that's, that's an encouraging thing to see. Say, I'm glad God has built that into them. I hope they have that kind of energy forever. As you eat lunch and your hunger is satisfied, realize this is a gift from God. As you walk outside and you smell the crisp fall air and you see the beautiful yellowish leaves on the ground and hear that kind of crunching, understand, wow, God is good that life changes and seasons come and go and it's a beautiful thing. Remember, in each of those instances that God has given to you. And also think back to the idea of Christ laying down his life for you, giving his life freely for you. It wasn't taken, it was given, sacrificed, offered in our place so that we wouldn't suffer, but we would be blessed. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Let the, let, let the, the realization of God's generosity to you wash over you and open your eyes so that you see the gifts he's giving you every single day, and let that deep love of the gifts he's given you stir in you so that it overflows and pours out from you to all the people that you're going to come in contact with. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your amazing generosity. I'm so sorry that we take it for granted. I'm so sorry that we miss the obvious gifts that you give us, and instead we choose to complain and whine about things and ways life didn't work out exactly our way. And I just pray that as we explore this idea of trying to be people who are generous with every area of our life, that we would start by looking to you and being in awe of all the ways you've taken care of us, all the ways you've blessed us, all the amazing experiences and moments you've given us. Yes, we've been sad when things ended in certain exciting, beautiful parts of our lives when, when the season was over, um, but I pray that even in those moments, we can be grateful for the moments we, that you've given us. So that even in days of sadness, we can be grateful to you. Even in moments of loss, we can be grateful to you. Because, Father, uh, you give us so much each and every day. And I just pray that we would have our eyes open to see it so that we can become not just grateful for the sake of being remembering to say thank you in our prayers, but so that we can start to reflect your generosity to the world. And we would be radically generous, over-the-top generous and kind and loving to everyone we encounter so that they, they can't help but notice that something supernatural has been stirring in our souls. Thank you for the opportunity to meet people and show them your goodness. It's truly a blessing, and I pray that we take it serious. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.